So why are you really here? And what are you creating? I'm Ryan Lilly, and for the last decade, I've helped people to overcome their fears, to pursue their passions, to reconnect with their innate creativity, and to become successful entrepreneurs. I'm a huge fan of personal development and have studied under people like Tony Robbins, Jack Canfield, and Gary Vee, to name just a few. But now I'm taking the leap myself. I'm crossing the coals, and I'm finding out what it means to live life on purpose. Let's turn your fears into a new purpose. This is the Fear and a Purpose podcast. All right, welcome everyone to the podcast. My name is Ryan Lilly, and we want to welcome you to this podcast where we talk to people with inspirational stories who have overcome risks and fear in order to start something new. In many cases, these are entrepreneurs, and we are very fortunate today to have a very successful entrepreneur with us. We have Rashad Jones. He's the owner, operator, and pitmaster at Big Lee's Serious About Barbecue. You might recognize him as the winner of Big uh, Guy's Big Project on the Food Network. And Rashad is also the host of Eat Sleep Barbecue on the Food Network. Uh, he lives here in Ocala, Florida, where I live as well. And I can tell you that I've had barbecue in lots of different places in Kansas City, in Memphis, all over the South, and even out West. And uh, his barbecue is really my favorite. And I can tell you that it's the wow. best I've ever had. And I, I totally mean that, uh, Rashad. Uh, so just jumping right in, could you just Thank tell you. us a little bit about your story and um, how you got to where you are today, Rashad? So where do you want me to start? I'm, I'm a super long-winded guy. So we can start like way back uh, as a kid, or we can start as far as how I got into barbecue. You tell me what you want. From me. Let's, let's start from when you were a kid growing up. Uh, so I was born in New Jersey. I'm not a native Floridian. I was born in New Jersey and uh, Rahway, New Jersey. I grew up in a, a, a town called Elizabeth, New Jersey, inner city place, uh, pretty rough back then. Um, my family decided to move uh, here to Florida when I was about the age of uh, 11. I was just finishing up uh, my fifth grade, my last year of elementary school. Uh, so all of my friends that I had made from, you know, pre-K all the way up through fifth grade, I had to say sayonara to those guys. And uh, we moved to Gainesville, Florida in 89. Uh, did uh, all my middle school years and half of my freshman year of high school in Gainesville. I attended Lincoln Middle School in Gainesville. Uh, Buholtz High School for half of my freshman year and then for what I still don't know how you know how or why uh, my parents decided uh, to move to Ocala back in what it was I guess 1992 1993 uh, but we they just decided to move here so I've been um, in Ocala uh, resident since then done a bunch of traveling uh, all over uh, the country and all over the world uh, since then had some really cool opportunities um, I finished high school at Lakewood High School, did a couple of years at CFCC. And uh, for a lot of you entrepreneurs uh, who may be watching this, you might find yourself uh, or may have found yourself the same place as me where you felt that, where I felt that uh, just going the traditional, you know, route of, oh, you know, you hear, you heard it so many times as a kid, you should, you know, go to school, get good grades so you can get into college so you can get a degree, so you can get a good paying job, so you can retire one day. And uh, that just was not, my, was not my path. You know, I tried my hardest to, uh, to fall in love with college, to love it, to enjoy it. But uh, it just didn't make sense for my wiring. That's the only way I can explain it. So 
I left CFCC, which is what it was called back then. Now it's called CF. It's still a great college, a great uh, community college here in Ogala. Um, and I just decided to do a lot of that discovery, that self-discovery that a lot of folks tend to uh, embark on in their college years. I just did it on my own. I didn't use uh, college as the format for it, so to speak. I just explored life on my own, uh, with my own rules. Uh, and I, and I've, and I've, uh, I just I embarked on a journey that I'm, I'm really proud of. So, um, I worked for Publix for about eight years, did a, you know, had a really good time working there, learned a lot of great things. It's a really great company. Uh, learned a lot about hospitality and, uh, valuing customers. Um, from there, I, uh, I did volunteer work on the side, mentoring kids, at-risk kids. When I use the term at-risk, these are, you know, kids of every hue, color, and shade, every uh, financial or socioeconomic background. Uh, but for whatever reason, the school administration found that these students uh, seem to have been having a, a hard time, whether it was academically, acclimating socially with other students, uh, disciplinary problems. So I'd mentor kids every single week for probably close to you know, five or six years. And I didn't know what I was doing when I first got started. Uh, it's just you know, giving my time to somebody in a way where I thought it could, you know, could possibly help them. And that led to um, the folks over at the Marion County Health Department offering me a job to uh, head up our county's uh, sex ed program. It's an abstinence education program called Brazen. So I left Publix after eight years, spent eight years working for the Marion County Health Department. And every year that I, I led the program, our county's team birth rates decreased every single year, year over year. And we hit an all-time low in 2012. Uh, helped to write several grants uh, back then, brought millions of dollars of grant funding into Marion County to uh, go into our middle schools and high schools and basically not preach to kids or use scare tactics or lie to them, but just share information about, uh, you know, subject matter that nobody is having frank and direct, honest, science-backed conversations with them. Um, and um, a, lot of, a lot of you don't know that I... Uh, I'm a freestyle rapper, but I've been rapping since I was 15. So I used my um, my rapping skills as a way to bridge our message into uh, the minds and hearts of the kids, and they just ate it up. and And I just was I was able to win their ear. I want you to remember that statement. It's important in in business. You've got to win a certain part of your customer's senses, and we'll talk about that later on. You will fail at business if you don't figure out how to win over one or more of the senses. Uh, and you heard that here first. <laughs> so uh, so that worked really well. Our county's birth rate to the all-time low. Program had a ton of funding. I trained staff year over year, uh, left the program in great hands and decided to uh, resign uh, from that position because I started getting requests from folks all across Florida and other counties, started getting requests from folks in other states who were having similar issues with you know, teen pregnancy and, and teen, you know, sexual activity at a super young age, which can lead to a lot of consequences. And a lot of these folks in these communities said, you know, they felt ill-equipped to handle it. You know, they said, we don't have any, we've seen videos of your work before. We know of the work that Brazen's doing. And you have a certain skill set that's allowing you to connect directly to the hearts and minds of these kids. And they just listen to you. We've seen it. There's, there's numbers that back it up in Marion County. Um, you go back and look at the data from 2004 to 2012, and you see what I'm talking about. And um, the, the the kicker with this whole thing is the Marion County Health Department's 
uh, funding was tied to Marion County. So I couldn't use any of those dollars to go to Lake County or Citrus County or any, any of our neighboring counties or even um, obviously in any other states to share the information uh, with kids that I know that needed it. And, and it just broke my heart because I thought of all the times that we'd wrap up a presentation and a kid would come up to me afterwards and say, hey, can I talk to you? And I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm here. And they say, I'm just so glad you guys came to the school this week. You know, I don't have any, I have so many questions and I don't have anybody that I feel comfortable talking to. And you literally answered every question without me asking. And then I learned even more stuff than I even knew to ask. And I knew that that same reality was represented all across our state, all across our country. So that get, that's where the, the bug of entrepreneurship started uh, to bite me. And uh, that's where that entrepreneurial infection took place, where I thought about what would it be like to do this work on my own night and day. Um, and like I said, I resigned. I resigned in 2012. I had been do I'd, I'd work eight to five, literally get off work, come home, eat dinner, hang out with uh, Patrice, hang out with our oldest son at the time. We only had one uh, son at the time. We have four now. And after she would get showered up and ready for bed and we'd put Caleb to bed. I would start working on um, my my first business, which I named Epic Consulting Services or Epic Youth Services, uh, which is what our DBA is. And I developed all sorts of amazing curricula and material on leadership and motivation and inspiration, pursuing your goals, pursuing your passion. Uh, I authored a life skills uh, curriculum for uh, uh, teens and young adults and the, the the info is timeless and it's 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 remarkable and i ended up landing a contract with uh one of the largest um out of home care providers in um central florida and that first contract paid me more than what i was making at the health department you know over eight years so that entrepreneurial bug and infection it just kind of the viral load of that entrepreneurial infection it just skyrocketed into my system and I could see for the first time, wow, me putting my own effort and energy and uh, creativity and ideas into something that's mine can really come alive and benefit me in ways where uh, it just doesn't work the same when someone else is cutting you a paycheck and you're, and you're punching a clock, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, when I was working for the Marion County Health Department, our contract uh, with the state required us to see 500 kids per year. And because of my drive and that entrepreneurial spirit, we were seeing 5,000 kids in Marion County per year. And um, I never saw a dime of increase in my pocket for that. I put in the work uh, to do 10 times more of the required effort and received the exact same amount that I would have received if I had only done the required workload. But that's just who I am. That's what I'm made of. That's what runs through my, my veins and, and, and pumps through my heart. So. Uh, I just, I, I went, you know, all gas, no breaks with Epic. I, that first year, I probably tripled my income um, just from hustling and finding um, connections and networking with folks who knew me from my brazen days saying, hey, you know, I can come and speak to your kids. I can come speak to your youth group. I can speak to a group of teachers who are frustrated and aggravated with their students and yell at their students all day long and not know how to get through them. They go home feeling burnt out. You know, I can share three things with you in a half hour, I don't even need an hour, that will revolutionize your classroom. And that stuff, it just took off like wildfire. 
And the beauty of uh, that first business and that first uh, space where, you know, we talk about self-discovery. I mentioned how I didn't finish college. I said, there's some things that I need to discover about myself that a classroom and a text won't show me about Rashad Jones. So um, I realized that there was so much, you know, to this, this whole idea of Epic Youth Services. And uh, the beauty of it was I was able to increase my income without working eight to five. You know, if somebody hires me to come and speak, I'm not speaking for eight, you know, from eight to five. I'm speaking from like, you know, after lunch generally. You know, you don't want to speak to a group of people first thing in the morning. They're probably still groggy. Their coffee hasn't kicked in. So I like that 11 to, not excuse me, that one to two uh, p.m. range. Um, and with that sort of a flexible schedule and not having to work eight to five, it gave me the opportunity to really dive deeper or go deeper into the waters uh, of, of who I am. If you think of an ocean, you know, how deep is an ocean really? You know, it's pretty deep and there's still a lot to discover. And I, I feel like humans are, are the same way. Uh, Self-discovery is a big thing for me. I think um, during that time, I was really able to go deeper into the waters of who I am. And I, I discovered this, uh, this passion and this, this insatiable passion, this, uh, this longing, this uh, obsession, if you will, uh, for barbecue. Um, every, my wife, my wife, my beautiful wife, Patrice is from the Mississippi Delta. She's from a, a town called Greenwood, Mississippi. And my family is pretty much all here in Florida. So we alternate every year where we're going to spend the holidays. One year we'll be here with my family. The next year we'll go visit her family. And back in 2011, this was, uh, I guess, my uh, third year into business. Yeah, about my third year into uh, business and, and entrepreneurship. Uh, we decided to go, well, it was time to go visit her family in Mississippi. Uh, and we visited uh, for the Thanksgiving holiday. And um, some of you know this story, if you've heard this story before, uh, maybe I'll share a few more details and make it a little bit more robust. Uh, but uh, her uncle, Leon Archie, was the big cook in the family back then. And uh, she told me that Thanksgiving morning, hey, we're not going to eat breakfast, just a cup of coffee and maybe a pastry because you're not going to waste, you're not going to want to waste any stomach space because Uncle Leon's food is so good. You're just going to want to fill up on that and nothing else. And, I never had his food before. I didn't have a point of reference. I'm like, whatever, okay, all right, if you say so. Uh, so I'm, star I'm starving by the time we get to his house. And um, we walk up the steps leading to his front door, ring the bell, he opens the door. And to be greeted with hospitality is one thing, but to be greeted with every delicious aroma imaginable on Thanksgiving Day uh, while you're starving, that just sent everything over the top. So I um, went in, ate a bunch of great Thanksgiving food, turkey, ham, mac and cheese, collard greens, uh, just pie, cake. I mean, everything you could ever dream of or imagine and then some. And the food was outstanding. Um, but then Uncle Leon said to me, hey, I've got some barbecue out back. If you have room, do you want to try, some, try my barbecue? And I'm thinking, who is like, who cooks this much food? Like no one family could eat the amount of food this man cooked. Uh, so I said, sure. He's like, you want to see my smokers? I'm like, yeah. Absolutely. And at the time, I wasn't into barbecue at all. I have never even thought about barbecue beyond, you know, the times where I was, you know, sitting there eating it for lunch or dinner or whatever. Uh, and never had any mind-blowing barbecue experiences, by the way. Um, so uh, I saw smokers. There were, there were nothing fancy, just a bunch of, uh, they're called UDSs, ugly drum smokers, 55-gallon barrels cut in half, 
with a firebox uh, added on to it. And just super old school, nothing fancy, nothing, you know, uh, super commercialized or whatever. And um, he only had ribs and chicken that day. Nothing like what, what we cook at Big Lee's. Uh, it was just ribs and chicken. I'd, I'd had, as a Southerner, I consider myself a Southerner now because I've been, you know, living in Florida. I don't even know if some people consider Florida to be the South. I do. But, um, uh, you know, after having ribs and chicken a million times, it's kind of hard to be impressed by a bite of something you've had so many, you know, times, you know, prior to that. So I um, took my first bite of his chicken, my first bite of his ribs, and Ryan, the only way I can describe it, I still have a hard time describing it to this day, and I'm not big on hyperbole and embellishing and uh, that whole deal. I just believe you tell it like it is, uh, you know, let, let everything fall as it should. You know, his food, in all these words I'm going to use, they're, they're understatements because I, I literally still haven't found a way to accurately describe those bites of ribs and chicken. It was. It was so far out of you know, just the distance between those bites of food and whatever I had considered to be the, the, my prior best bites of food, so much distance. I mean, you might as well, you know, hop on a, a shuttle and try to go to Mars to, to, to use that as an analogy for the, the amount of space there was between how good his food was, his ribs and chicken, his barbecue, and anything else I'd ever eaten at that point. So that was the moment where I got infected with the, uh, got bit by the barbecue bug and got infected with this desire for another bite of his food. Now, so on that 11th. Did he make brisket or did the brisket come later? No, he didn't cook brisket. Uncle Leon just, I mean, brisket isn't really something that you find uh, a whole lot, you know, uh, in the Mississippi Delta. I don't know any guys who are cooking brisket in the Mississippi Delta. I know a few guys who cook brisket out there. Uncle Leon definitely, you know, wasn't, you know, brisket wasn't really something that had become too popular, I'd say, um, until the past, you know, the past, you know, 10 years, you know, is when brisket really hit the scene. But just traditionally, you wouldn't find a lot of uh, families cooking a brisket in Mississippi on Thanksgiving Day. It's just, it's just, you know, it just wasn't the case. Gotcha. Uh, so on the 11 hour ride back home, all I could think about was his food. I couldn't imagine having to, to wait another year to get those same bites of food. And Patrice said to me, she goes, well, you know, and I was talking to her about it, how I was blown away, but I'm actually sad at the same time because I'm not going to get a chance to get any more of his barbecue. So she just said these simple words to me. So, hey, why don't you just try your hand at it? So I came back home and that very next weekend, uh, I fired up my grill, which is different than a smoker, by the way, and I've cooked barbecue literally every single weekend uh, from that that weekend where we returned home with uh, three exceptions. Uh, one was a wedding that I officiated for a, a mutual fr friend of uh, me and Patrice. Um, the death of a family member, Uncle Leon's older sister, uh, Aunt Rosie, passed away. And then Uncle Leon actually passed away a year after I had his food for the first time. Uh, so those are the three weekends where some sort of grill or smoker that I'm in charge of has not been fired up in how many years is that now? That was 2011 in nine years. So when I, whenever we say serious about barbecue, we mean it. And like I said, I'm long winded. <laughs> this story's kind of long, but that's what it's going to take in my opinion if you want to create greatness 
uh, in what you do. Uh, I've never been one to have the desire to want to be average or, you know, uh, just create something that's run in the mill. I've, I've always wanted to do something that other people consider to be great. I don't go around. You, you'll never, you'll, you'll never find a Facebook post, an Instagram post, a video of me saying our barbecue is better than anybody's or I have the best part. I don't, I don't, I don't mean great in terms of, you know, uh, uh, self praise, but in terms of letting your product speak for itself, uh, the market doesn't lie. Uh, and taste buds don't lie. If food is good. It doesn't matter how you feel or what you think about a person. The food's just good. If you hate a certain CEO of a company, but their product or their service is just great, it's kind of hard to, you know, to separate. Uh, uh, it's it's kind of hard to lump your, your the way you feel about a person in with their product or service if it's just really good. So uh, there's a transcendent power in great products and services. Um, and, and so that's why... Making it every weekend for nine years. I mean, that reminds me of Malcolm Gladwell. He talks about the 10,000 hour rule of, you know, becoming really great at anything. It takes putting in the practice, putting in the, the habit. And so you were, I imagine, like refining the whole time and making little changes and, and making it better and better the whole time, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the name of the game. Uh, with, with any sort of business uh, where you're selling a product or service, to me, I think it's, uh, it's a cardinal sin to not try to find ways to improve your product or service for your customers. To me, it shows that you really don't care too much about them other than just getting their money. Uh, I feel uh, that uh, we should, uh, would you, when it's time for you and your family to go buy a new vehicle, if they had a 2021 20, version of whatever you're driving now, and it's pretty much the same exact vehicle, there's no better or new features on it. It does exactly the same thing your current vehicle does but it just costs more. You probably, I don't know, you may, but you probably wouldn't be as inclined to purchase that vehicle. You know, so that's my outlook on, or technology. If, if the new, whatever cool phone comes out and it's like the new cool phone 12 Max Pro, um, it's got all the same bells and whistles as our last phone, but it's a, you know, it's got a bigger price tag on it. No one's really, well, there's probably those weird people that, yeah, I just want the new one. But if it doesn't do anything different, what are you really offering your customers? And what does that say when you've stopped pushing that creative edge? You, you, you know, that, that, uh, that cutting edge is kind of worn down and you're, you're cool with just giving your customers something that's dull and that doesn't really shine and impress them anymore. I think, I think business is, it's a relationship. It's a rapport. It's like dating. You always want to keep winning your wife or your significant, uh, others heart over and over and over again so uh so yeah so we're constantly trying to tweak things and get better there's there's no stopping when it comes to that so, yeah awesome so rashad um what fears or risks or self-doubt did you have to overcome as you were starting your businesses both your original business epic consulting and then big lee's barbecue at any point did you were you questioning yourself and um, you know, saying, Hey, am I doing the right thing? And how did you overcome that? What was sort of your motivation to, to drive through that? Man, that's, that's the name of the game. I mean, uh, that's, I mean, every fear that you probably can imagine that's associated with, uh, you know, putting yourself in a vulnerable situation, you know, putting some skin in the game where you've got capital that, that you worked for that you just, the bank just didn't hand over to you. I mean, Every fear imaginable, you know, is this going to, uh, 
one of the, I say one of the biggest fears is, you know, how's this going to affect my family? You know, Patrice and I talked at nauseum about, uh, you know, we both had consistent paychecks from uh, you know, our, our, our previous employers. She worked, uh, my wife has her PhD. She worked uh, in Gainesville at the time and she decided to resign from her job uh, to be a stay at home mom with our first son, Caleb at the same time that I decided to resign from the health department and start uh, Epic Youth Services. And for us, um, I, don't, I don't get into this a whole lot, you know, uh, but my wife and I are both, we, we both have really strong faith. I, you know, we both are believers that there's a higher power, there's, there's a God and that he loves us and that he's not here to just kind of screw us around. And you know, lead us to the edge of our hopes and dreams and be like, ha ha, you're going to fail. <laughs> so uh, it doesn't always feel like that in the moment. It feels like, man, what if this doesn't work? What if we, you know, I, you know, I, I put all these ideas out here and I look like an idiot in front of my, you know, all my friends at the health department, all the, the principals and assistant principals and the teachers that I, you know, I visited their classrooms semester after semester, year after year. You know, so I guess, you know, just the, the, the how, if I felt, how will I look, you know, that, that sort of led the, the, the idea of being embarrassed, that's, that's fearful. Uh, the idea of fa failure, those are two big ones. And I, I just as a man who views a big part of my role as being able to play my part in providing for my family and taking care of my family. That was a huge one. I felt like, you know, there's so many times where I second guess myself where I'm like, why am I considering jumping out into you know this wide open space where I don't know if anything's going to catch me or not and I'm already on secure ground and I, I, I wrote a I wrote a blog post uh, somewhere years ago about how security in the wrong thing ends up be, becoming the enemy of your life's biggest dreams where you have so much security in that nine to five in that you know, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollar, you know, thousand dollar check they cut you every week. That the security in that, it it almost can paralyze folks because it's like, well, if I try this other thing over here, you know, what if it doesn't work and then my job's gone and you know, it, it's it can be a paralyzing thing. So I had to disconnect and, and it's from being it's sort of being too comfortable in a way, right? We get comfortable in a, a super secure job, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think it's the I think it's comfort. I think it uh, it feels kind of cush. It's the opposite of how you feel whenever you're making plans to you know launch out and start a business. When you launch it out and start a business, starting a business, the fear, the uncertainty, the questions, it's all uh, all those things ground you. It makes it makes a, a wise businessman or businesswoman go uh, to staying up late at night doing their homework, researching, making sure your ducks are in a row, making sure that before you launch, everything is the way it's supposed to be because so much is riding on it. And I feel like if you don't do that, you're, 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 you're setting yourself up for failure if you don't do that. I mean, you can, you, you can, you can, you know, have a fluke experience where it still works out, but by, uh, by, by most accounts, I'd say most folks in my shoes would say uh, that it's it, it can be very scary, and you just want to make sure you have your ducks in a row. You don't want to get out there and try to figure out things that should have been figured out on the front end. Like, are you know, is my product or service good? 
it's not the time to figure that out after you've launched. It better be good, you know, before you launch. It better be something that people are willing to spend on and, and find value in it. And there are ways to do that uh, that we found that I, I, I tested in our barbecue before, uh, you know, I made the, you know, the capital investments in a, a food trailer and equipment and, and inventory and all these things it wouldn't make sense to just say, I'm going to buy all this stuff. unless you just got money to throw away. You can risk, you can, you're willing to take those risks. And then all the stuff I just said, doesn't apply to you. There's no fear. You're like, ah, if this doesn't work out, you know, that hundred grand didn't mean anything to me. That 200 grand didn't mean anything to me. I've got millions of bucks that I could sink into different ideas. And if they don't work, oh, well, but this isn't that, you know, your regular everyday person, they probably don't have money to just waste like that or capital to just blow through like that. I know I didn't. So, um, so yeah, so I'd say those are the biggest fears, you know, not being able to provide for my family, um, the fear of um, what, you know, what if this whole thing doesn't work? Uh, and honestly, ego, what if I get out here and I look like an idiot? You know, I had a pretty secure gig, very successful at what I was already doing. And here I am, uh, you know, walking away from that to try something new. I mean, it was, it was barbecue. I had nobody in Ocala or anywhere has ever known me for my cooking, <laughs> you know, moving from a, a speaking background to cooking like that jump didn't even make sense in most people's minds. Um, and there's so much that I can unpack about this. I don't want this to turn into a super long, you know, uh, deal here, but there's, you know, so many times people know better than you is, is what they think, you know, I would even rush. I mean, it's like every single person that I told, you know, Hey, I'm resigning you know, from this job and I'm going to go start my own thing. You know, I'm going to, you know, so many people just question me and they're, and they're questions. If you're not, if you're not confident, if you don't have uh, that, that bedrock of confidence to build your entrepreneurial dreams on you, man, you're going to be, you're going to have, you may have a tough time because people are going to question you. The people that are closest to you are going to say, I don't know if this doesn't make sense. Are you sure you want to do this? Tell me, why do you want to do this again? And honestly, when ideas are in your head, they make a whole lot of sense. Sometimes to try to verbalize or to communicate your ideas, as soon as you start talking, you and you hear yourself, you're like, wow, that did not sound the way I, you know, played in my mind. That sounded really stupid. And it can reinforce more doubt, more uh, unbelief in those around you and your ideas. So you've got to be confident. Um, so yeah, that's important. Awesome. So as an entrepreneur, what would you say are some of your biggest lessons learned? Obviously, I'm sure you've learned a lot of them, but what's maybe one or two that have been uh, really valuable lessons for you as an entrepreneur? My biggest lesson, that one's easier for me because this one's more current. Uh, it's knowing when to get out of the way. Um, Patrice and I started Big Lee's and it was pretty much, the, the original idea was, it was just her, it was going to be her and I. She'd worked the register. And I'd be off, you know, in the back, you know, making sandwiches or slicing a slab of ribs, boxing it up. And then we wait a couple minutes and then another customer would walk up and then I'd make a sandwich, and, you know, cook, you know, order French fries, grab, you know, sweet tea, just, you know, slow pace, you know, laid back kind of a vibe. And um, once uh, we realized that that wasn't going to be the case, our business really started to take off, uh, started to grow. Uh, like you mentioned, you know, winning a Food Network competition, hosting my own uh, television show. I mean, that was never even a part of my wildest dreams. I never even, I've never had the desire to want to be on a, on television 
or to host my own show. So think about how crazy it is that that actually happened for me. Uh, and when those things happen, it's just, it's a gigantic weekly 30 minute commercial for your business, basically. Uh, and you, you think of what businesses pay for 30 second time slots on any sort of media platform, it's not cheap. Um, so the, the fact that we had that much exposure, it drove a lot of people to our business. Um, I soon, very soon realized that I needed way more help than I ever envisioned. Uh, so we had to start hiring folks, training folks, putting folks into positions, uh, sharing standards, creating systems, um, because our food is very particular. My brisket's got to be a certain way. My burn-ins, they have to be a certain way. The way we greet customers, it's specific. It's, uh, it's, it's specific. It's the only way I can describe it. It's specific. And just, know, I realized just real quick to jump in and tell people yeah. that are maybe listening and haven't had your food before how big a deal your food is. Um, several times I've been standing in line waiting for your place to open. And I've met people in line who have driven an hour or more to get your food. And I remember in particular seeing one post on Facebook where I think you had had someone fly in with their private plane to the airport <laughs> to pick up barbecue solely just to pick up your barbecue and, and bring it back to their family. So it is like a, a phenomenon. Your, your food is incredible and people come from all around to try it. Yeah, that, we've had, we've had a lot of, I mean, we've had folks from all around the world come in and just to, Ocala, to come to Ocala just to try our food. Uh, and it's, it's mind blowing every time to hear those stories. We've actually had two people fly into Ocala, uh, our, our, Ocala, our local Ocala airport, just to get our food and turn right back around and flew out. Uh, the first time it happened, the guy told me about it afterwards. He, he messaged me on Facebook and said, hey, I just wanted to let you know, you know, I, we flew in from Kissimmee to get your food uh, uh, earlier today and everything was outstanding. Everybody's raving about the food. And I'm like, dude, why didn't you tell me this ahead of time? Like that's that's post worthy. I have the, the social media is another big part of uh, you know owning a business and being an entrepreneur these days. And social media media is a big friend of ours. And uh, I said, you know what? I want to leverage these these situations and post this stuff on social media because that doesn't happen, you know, for the regular business. And uh, the, the second time it happened, the guy emailed us and uh, I was able to document it. I got uh, a videographer to come out and. We documented it really well. We put together a really cool, like three, three to four minute video just documenting the whole, whole experience. So that was pretty neat. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so going back, uh, one of the last questions here, Rashad, is in terms of speaking, and you've obviously been asked to speak to a lot of groups here locally and in other places because of your success with your business and on television. Uh, what is it that you find is holding people back in life as you speak to audiences, both, you know, the high school students that you worked with, as well as some of the adult audiences you've spoken to, what is it that's holding people back and how do you, um, what's your sort of life advice for overcoming that? I think, uh, I think the number one thing that holds folks back in life is a lack of self-discovery. Um, maybe I'll write a book on this someday because you just think about how life goes. You know, you start out you know, as a little kid and the goal is to learn how to read, uh, not how to read, you learn your ABCs and learn how to count, learn your colors, learn your shapes, learn how to identify animals, you know, in a book. You know, I've sat there with each one of our four sons going through the little kid books and I point to, hey, what's this, Caleb? Oh, zebra, what's this? Elephant, you know? 
and then you start school and you learn subject matter, you learn arithmetic, you learn writing, you learn about literature, you learn about history, you learn about science and, 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 you know, uh, every year those things kind of just repeat themselves, but it's, I guess it's just a different version of the same thing to be frank year after year in most, you know, school. I mean, I'm just describing my experience and a lot of folks that I've talked to and you reach this point where it's like, Oh crap, I'm 17. I, this is my, or I'm 18. This is my last year of high school. And everybody's like, so what are you going to do after high school? What college are you going to go to? What do you want to study? What do you want to be? What do you want to, what, what do you want to spend the next 30 years of your life being is what we ask, you know, kids that are in high school. And that kid doesn't even know who they want to date. <laughs> and we ask them, you know, what do they want to do for the next 30 years of their life? And you know what most of those kids say? They say things that they think are the correct answers. They say things like, you know what? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a nurse. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a business owner. I want to be an engineer. Those things are great. Those things are fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with those things. But if I would have said, hey, I want to be a barbecue food truck owner and, and cook barbecue on the side of the road, I'm almost certain a lot of people would have laughed at that idea and, and they would have discredited that idea. And I think a lot of folks go through life learning a lot about everything that's outside of them, like subject matter and history. That's all outside of me. That's stuff that I'm trying to put inside of me so I can be a well-rounded, knowledgeable, intellectual individual. But guess what? Guess what gets left out of that equation, Ryan? The you, the me, whoever's sitting in that seat oftentimes doesn't really get an opportunity to dive deep into who they are. We learn about who historical figures are. We can tell, we can write up a whole paper about a historical figure, but can you write up a whole historical, could you write up a whole paper about uh, a you, you know, in comparison to that historical figure? Um, do we, do we know what our passions are? Do we know what our interests are? Do we know what provokes us? Do we know what makes us cry? Do we know what makes us uh, more happy than anything else? Do we know what brings us more pleasure? Do we know what the people around us benefit uh, the most greatly from? What's my greatest benefit to those around me? What's my greatest contribution to those around me? Do we learn those things? You know, when I, when I was 17 or 18, if I had to take a test and the test was all about me and one of the questions said, what is the greatest benefit that those around you experience when you're around Rashad? What is it? You know what I'd have to write? I don't know. If you would ask me that question now, I know the answer to that, but it's because I went on this personal uh, pursuit of discovering who I am. And I don't think you can make the most effective contribution in life. And I think by, by definition, you, you, you will be held back that you literally you not you as in your name but you as in the the content that's within that will be held back that will be stifled it'll be unknown it'll be just like i got let me start grab a random book off of my bookshelf here you know what i got a random book here i'm not promoting it but if i never crack that book open i don't have a clue what it's about if there's important information in here that can help me with what i'm going through right now guess what I'll be held back until I crack this thing open and read and learn. And I feel like we have to find ways um, to figure out who we are, what we're about. You, I, you know, most people can tell you every single detail about current events. They can tell you about what happened 
all around the country yesterday or what the rates for whatever poll or, and all that stuff's great. It's awesome. But you know what? I feel like the, the you or the me and all of that sometimes just gets overlooked. And I think uh, when I discovered that I had this passion for barbecue, uh, that didn't even make sense. Like I think about barbecue way more than I think anybody else probably ever thinks about it. But that was, that's one of my key, it's one of my contributions in life. I've met so many cool experiences. I have Guy Fieri's phone number in my, in my, in my phone. One of the other great restaurateurs of, of this era, Danny Meyer. I have his contact information in my phone. He's incredibly successful. And he's somebody that I have a connection with. I mean, one of the most successful, one of two of the most successful people in our industry. I personally know them. Um, how does that happen in less than four years? I mean, how, I mean that, that, how, how do all these things unfold and unpack themselves? I think it's all about self-discovery. I think if everybody that's watching this takes a little bit of time each day and ask yourself the question, who am I? What am I all about? And what's my greatest contribution going to be? I think that's when uh, the chains or the, the force that holds you back in ways that you probably don't even know because you don't know what you don't know unless you crack it open. Right. I think and, that's and I was just about to ask you that question of what, what is the, the action step that people need to take in order to begin that self-discovery. And it, you, you just said, it's kind of asking yourself every day, um, who am I? Why am I here? Is, is there anything else that you could recommend for self-discovery? Yeah, I think talking to people as well. I think being vulnerable in conversations and saying, hey, if you have close friends, why do you like me? Why do you like being around me? What do you see as some of my strengths? What, do you, what is it that other people see in me that I don't see in myself? Those are some of the most phenomenal and eye-opening questions. It's just like I can't see in the back of my head right now. I can't see back here. I, even if I turn around, guess what? I can't see. There's nothing I can do to see the back of my head. And I think there's certain things about life that just positions us in a place of vulnerability where we can't figure it out all by ourselves. There's 7 billion other people on this planet for a reason. We probably need a few of them. And when you can find the right people to ask those questions and you just keep asking, I think you build a case uh, for how the world sees you. And when you see yourself the same way the world sees you and um, when you can contribute to the world around you, and uh, out of your strengths, out of your passion, and out of uh, a love for your, your, your fellow man and fellow woman, I think that's when a part of your life comes alive in a way that, a part of your life comes alive in a way that it may not come alive, you know, through any other means. And I think it's all about uh, that self-discovery. I think that's crucial. I think you can get a ton of degrees, you can get a ton of education and still not know who the heck you are. I think you can travel all around the world and see other people's culture and see how other people do things, see how they sing songs and see how they eat and how they dress and how they live and still not know any of those things about your own self. Uh, so I think it just takes, it takes awareness, just being aware that you might not really know who you are and what you're about and what you're passionate about and just start daily by um, figuring, the, figuring those things out. Such great advice. So lastly, last question is, can you tell us what's next, Rashad? Um, I know you went from having one truck to now having several, and I saw something on social media about a spice rub or, or a sauce, something like that. Can you tell us what things are on the horizon for you? 
Oh, there's always great things that are happening around big leagues. Uh, so you know what's funny? Sometimes I don't even know what's next because this happened <laughs> in this world. Um, when you put that you know good and positive energy out, things just come your way sometimes. So to be technical, I don't know what's next. I can say some of the things that I have planned um, for next, and sometimes uh, my plans uh, don't move along as quickly as some of the things that just come my way. But our goal is to just continue to add, you know, uh, you know, food trucks to our operation every three to four months. You know, we want to be adding a, a food truck to our operation. It creates another uh, management opportunity within our company. Uh, we pay more than probably any other place, you know, in town or in the area of industry. Our, our team does incredibly well. Um, it's something uh, that's, uh, that's exciting to be able to see us go from, just a, a thirty-year-old, a thirty-year-old trailer parked on the side of the to now we have you know our trailer, our mobile unit, have a dry rub that you mentioned that we're uh, sell across the country. We have uh, folks from outside of the U.S. that are placing orders for it. We've got um, a couple of different uh, large retailers that are interested in it. We're working on some negotiations or things along those lines. But um, you know, so so those are a couple of things. I don't I don't share everything. I like, I, I'm, a, I'm really big on not over promising and under delivering. So I want to make sure I got all the other stuff that I wouldn't, you know, already in queue and ready to be off before I mention it. But those, those are some real good things that are happening. And those are some things that are uh, around the corner that'll be coming up here pretty soon. And very last question, I promise. Uh, sure. How can people find out more about you? Can you give us your website, uh, both for uh, the, the food truck and if they're visiting Central Florida, how can they find you? And then also if they want to order that rub, how, where can they find that online? Uh, everything's centralized. Just go to our uh, website, mybiglesbbq.com. Uh, from there, we've got links where you can shop. You can purchase some of the items that we have uh, for sale, like our dry rub. You can uh, connect with us uh, on all of our social media platforms through our website. You can learn more about our story. You can find out the locations where any of our mobile units are going to be at through our website. So everything that you would possibly ever want to know about us, uh, you can access it through that website. If you if you were like, hey, he didn't leave his email. Guess what? You can email us through. Just go to our website, uh, mybigleesbbq.com. And that is the central spot. You don't need to call us. You don't need to send me a message on Facebook or Instagram, or you don't have to hunt me down and talk to me in person. <laughs> you can just go to the website and uh, it's a one-stop shop. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rashad. I, I so much appreciate you taking the time out to do this today. Um, you guys probably know that he's a very busy guy and this is his day off today. And just the fact that you took an hour uh, to talk to us today, I, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Rashad. Hey, no problem, man. Have a great one. Thank you so much, you Ryan. Too. All right, we'll see you guys next time.